0: We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 this morning. I want to give you a chance to turn in your copies of God's word over there. Two sections of scripture, verse 24 to 30, and then also 36 to 43. So that's Matthew 13, 24 to 30, and 36 to 43. So we continue our series called Kingdom First. This is the third sermon in a series called Kingdom First. The first week, Pastor Zach sort of defined the kingdom. He defined it this way. The kingdom is living the heavenly reign of Jesus here and now, living in recognition of his kingship now. And then the second week, we talked about what the kingdom of God is not. Now, this week, we're going to talk about what the kingdom of God is. In Matthew 13... Jesus tells five stories. We're gonna work uh, or look at one of those stories to understand better what the kingdom of God is like. To do that, I need to tell you a story, though. How many of you like stories? Anybody? I like stories. Everybody likes good stories, so I got a true one for you. I'm gonna tell you. So uh, I guess it was two two weeks ago, just before last Sunday, we took several veterans uh, on a trip hiking to Big Bend National Park, anybody been to big Bend national park it's a great place. If you ever want to go hiking it 's beautiful uh, one of the most beautiful places in Texas and uh, we camped out for like three days because of the social distancing in the park and all that, which is there's i didn 't see hardly anybody there, but there was no campsites available, and so we had to camp outside in the in the desert found a good spot, all that, and got set up, and then went into the park, went to our, our first hike, came back. Uh, you know, we had, I got a, a one-man tent. Anybody ever sleep in a single-man tent, right? It's kind of tight, but that's all I need. And so I had that, and then we had, each one of us sort of had our tents, and we had a supply tent with all our food and all that kind of stuff in there. And so uh, anyway, uh, we get back, we have dinner, we clean up. And night number one, we all go to bed we 're really tired, all that driving and then hiking, and uh, we go to bed, and uh, we awake to what is scratching and sniffing that is not human uh, and when you 're in the camping in the desert that 's not good that 's not fun we didn 't think and uh, and so i didn 't move. I thought, you know i 'm just going to lay here if it eats me, it eats me, whatever it is i i 'm too tired. But I heard somebody else outside say this, it was very quiet scream, skunk, like that, right? So I didn't know there were skunks in the desert, but apparently in Texas, there are. And so this skunk, one of my friends had had left candy in one of his bags and put it in his tent, right? So I think, like, don't they teach you in like Army 101, don't leave, you know, candy in your tent? but. So, this skunk was all, all, all over him. He froze up, you know, just because what are you going to do? You shoot a skunk, it stinks. You scare a cunt, skunk, it stinks. And so, skunk finally leaves. Uh, everybody kind of goes back to, to sleep. And the, and the next morning, we find out the skunk has raided our supply tent. And he, somebody brought, uh, I mean, he could have had anything. Could have had, he could have had steak, he could have had eggs, he could have had hamburgers, he could have had anything. Breakfast, burritos, whatever he wanted. No, he goes for the Halloween candy that somebody uh, brought and specifically digs out the Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> and, you're not going to believe this, and unwraps them and takes the muffin paper stuff, you know, that, that the Reese's peanut butter cup is in, it's all thrown to the side, and all these Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are gone. This skunk has a sweet tooth, right? <laughs> and so I just told a couple of people at breakfast, don't, you know, don't don't leave food in your tent. I mean, that that's ridiculous, right? So we go hiking this the South Rim hike. It's like 13 miles. It's a long day, all that. And we get back, and... Uh, you know, everybody's we do the campfire thing, everybody's shot, ready to go to bed. And I had just thrown my my bag in my tent that I had with me all day. We had our food in there and water and everything we needed for the, the day. And I thought I finished all my food. However, I did not. Uh left in the bottom of my bag was a peanut butter chocolate power bar, right? And we've already established this skunk likes peanut butter chocolate. And uh so I stuffed it in. I went to bed. My tent, you know, it, it has like a mesh sort of zippered door, but then I have this wind screen that goes over that. So something can get under the windscreen, but can't get in the door. And so I set my shoes out and I went to bed, you know, between the windscreen and the door, went to bed and uh, I wake up and I hear what is this sniffing all over, you know, from the night before again, it's scratching, but this time it's right up against my arm. I can feel it. And it's, its head is down in my shoe, in my hiking boot, outside my thing. And all I can see sticking up is the backside of him. And I'm like, well, Pepe Le Pew has come, you know, to spray Pastor Brian. And I was thinking, what in the world? Why is it here? Why, he eats candy in his tin. He should be over there. And then I realized, oh, there's, I had two protein bars, and I only ate one. That leaves one, and that thing was trying to get at that protein bar. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever been that close to a skunk, but you just start thinking, you know, does the tomato juice thing really work after you get sprayed? Is the, is it a milk bath? What is it, you know, that you have to do? Anyway, skunk didn't spray. He left. I was grateful, praising Jesus. I went back to sleep, woke up the next day. He raided the supply tent again. Uh, but the skunk, he, he's smart. He lived. We lost all our Reese's peanut butter cups, I guess. But here's the thing. I just told them like 24 hours early, don't sleep with candy or food in your tent. And what did I do? I had a protein bar in my tent with this skunk's favorite flavor, peanut butter chocolate. Jesus says a phrase in this passage today, he who has ears, let him hear. And sometimes we don't even hear our own words, much less the word, word of God. And so really today we need ears to hear because this is one, maybe you've heard before, maybe not, but this is profound and we need to hear it, especially in our, our moment. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me, Matthew 13, 24 to 30 and 36 to 43 as Jesus tells this parable to describe what the kingdom of God is like. Verse 24, it says, He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, then do you want us to gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then verse 36 then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the son of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. You could be seated. Now, understanding this parable, you have to understand two things. First, Jesus is a rabbi. Rabbis often share or teach in parables. Parables are a story from the culture that everybody would understand that illustrates something else, in this case, the kingdom of God. The second thing you have to understand, in this day, in the first century, Galilee and Jerusalem, Jesus is a very polarizing figure. Either you're beginning to believe that Jesus is the son of God, the Messiah. You've seen the miracles, you hear the teaching, you see the crowds and you're drawn to him or you're rejecting him as an insurrectionist, a false teacher, a wannabe Messiah, very polarizing. So he's saying things in that day like, because I'm here, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now for the Jewish listener, for the Torah reader, for the rabbi, for the scribe, uh, for the Pharisee, the Sadducee, the Zealot, the Essene, they hear that and they say, who is this that's saying they're ushering in the kingdom of God? And there's a question on the table in the face of Roman occupation. So in that day, Rome ruled from the Temple Mount, from Jerusalem. Rome ruled all of Israel. They even renamed it uh, Palestina. Uh, they, they, they owned it, operated it, ran it. And so the Jewish people wanted to be uh, free from this Roman occupation. And so they're hearing him say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they're asking over and over again questions like this. If the kingdom of heaven has arrived... Why has it not triumphed more overtly and visibly? In other words, if, it's, if you're ushering in the kingdom of heaven, go ahead and overthrow Caesar. Go ahead and overthrow Pontius Pilate. Go ahead and take down Herod, who's playing politics between the Jews and the Romans. Usher in the kingdom. If you're really gonna usher in the kingdom, go rule from the temple mount. If you're really the Messiah, why are you so polarizing among the Jews? Why is it that more Jews aren't unified and they're thinking about you? And this is the stage that that Jesus is upon or in in the world when he teaches these five parables in Matthew chapter 13 and when he describes the kingdom of God as a field of wheat and weeds. Now, understanding that backdrop, let's go here. Jesus uses an agricultural picture to describe his kingdom. Now, many of us don't have an agricultural background. Some of us do, but we may need a little help sort of understanding the picture. So if you go to to uh, Matthew chapter 13, we'll just take it slow. Uh, verse 24, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So what I want you to do is think of a field in rows, and a man walking down the rows with a basket, and he's just sowing seed out of the basket to the right, to the left. It says that this is good seed. Now, continue. Verse 25. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So, one thing we learn is that this man is sowing a wheat field. In the night, an enemy comes and he sows weeds among the wheat. How many of you love weeds? Anyone? You like them? You love weeds? I hate weeds. I I mow my yard, and I we're the ones. Our family's the ones that like pulls all the weeds out of our our flower bed. Right? Uh, they seem to grow when nothing else will grow. They definitely intertwine with everything, right? And they're just pesky. And a lot of times they will have thorns and thistles and all kinds of stuff. And I just don't like uh, weeds. This is the bad seed weed. So it continues. So verse 26, so when the plants came up and bore grain, so the weed comes up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, did you not sow good seed in your field? How does it have all these weeds? He said to them, an enemy's done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to gather them together? He said, no, Less in gathering the weeds, you also root up the wheat along with it. Let both grow together until the harvest and then gather the, we'll gather the, reeds, the weeds first and bind them to bundles to be burned, but then we'll gather the wheat into my, my barn. So this is the story. Now, when you think about this, I, I really want you to see two pictures here. Um, let me show you this. Picture number one is a comparison picture. So when we're talking about wheat and weeds, the weeds that we're talking about are these tares. Um, it's on the green side and the wheat is on the yellow side. But when you mix these in a field, I promise you, I have people, I walk through fields like this in Israel all the time. I have people grab handfuls and say, look, wheat, wheat. Well, it's not exactly wheat. It's wheat and tares because they all grow together. And don't they look fairly similar? I mean, to the untrained eye, you would say, hey, these are, this is wheat. But the problem is only the wheat on the right, the grain, will bear the fruit of the grain to make bread and all those things. The tares, even though it looks similar, has no wheat grain. And so if you try to make bread with weeds, you get terribleness, right? It's no good. But it all grows together and it all sort of looks the same. Now, the second picture that I want to show you is just a wheat field. So this is what you would see when you're walking up on something like that. And again, they're all intertwined. I mean, they they all sort of look the same, but they're all intertwined. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus chooses to tell a story about what the kingdom of God is like. And he says, we got, we got weeds and we got wheat, and yet they all grow together and they're interconnected. And I allow them to grow up together until, uh, until the reapers come and reap the field, because I don't want tearing one of them out to ruin the, the other one. Now, uh, you know, people hear this story and they go on. Later in verse 36... The disciples gather in the house. And, you know, rabbis have a tendency to do this. They'll tell a parable and then they'll leave their disciples sitting in it. And so they're mulling it. They must be asking each other, like, what does that mean? Until we get to verse 36 and now they've got Jesus in a house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. We need to know what that means. Jesus explains it this way, he interprets it. And this is, they get special revelation in this moment. The rabbi interpreting the parable, the Messiah interpreting the parable, but you also have access to it today through the word of God. Here's what he says. Uh, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. So the son of man is Jesus himself. So he's saying that sower who's tossing good seed to the right and to the left in the field, this is Jesus, this is the the Messiah, the son of man. It goes on to say uh, this, the field is the world. So the field is a picture of the entire world. It's every generation, every nation. So you have the sower, Jesus, walking through the field, the world sowing uh, good seed. He's, he, it says, it goes on to say uh, this, the field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Now, when it says sons of the kingdom, sonship or daughterhood, it echoes or it, it, it delineates belonging. He's saying, these belong to me. These are sons of the kingdom. These are daughters of the kingdom. So the good seed is uh, the daughters or sons of the kingdom. It goes on to say this. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. So those weeds that grow up, they are actually, they belong to the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So he's very clear, this isn't just a competitive farmer, but this is an enemy and it is one particular enemy, the devil, it's Satan, it's Lucifer. He is sowing in the world bad seed. Now it continues, if you just follow the passages of scripture. Uh, The harvest is the close of the age. So Jesus is saying at, at the time of the harvest of this field, there will be a final judgment, a separating of the wheat and the weeds. And it says there are two fates. The weeds will be pulled up, bundled up, And burned. And Jesus, if you look at that passage of scripture in the interpretation, he gives that burning description and locale. So he says, weeping and gnashing of teeth, he attributes it to or akins it to a fiery furnace. When they heard that, they would think the language of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from their Bible. And they would recognize that we're talking about something that's horrendous, that's meant to be destructive. Now, Again, if you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were delivered by the grace of God. Uh, and you need to hold on to that as we, as we move forward here. But the, the, the weeds, they have a fate. And it, it's a location where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's like a fiery uh, furnace. Now, it also says, uh, when that separation takes place, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. They belong to God the Father because of Jesus, and their fate is completely different. They're, they're not only walking in the kingdom now because the, the the field is the world and the kingdom is expanding in the world, but they're gonna walk in the kingdom uh, for eternity. And then Jesus simply says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, people, when they heard Jesus talk about things like this or teach like this, even the disciples themselves, and we can see examples of it in the scripture. People are asking three questions. In the first century, in Galilee and Jerusalem and all around, as they're, as they're contemplating who Jesus is, they're asking three questions. And it's the same three questions that people often ask today. Here's the first question. Okay. So if you are, <clears throat> if you're that good sower and you're sowing all this good seed, and yeah, the, the, the bad seed and the good seed are sort of growing up together. Why, and you control the reapers. You tell them what to do. Why don't you just have them pull all the weeds now and end it all? Why don't you make it stop? Why don't you end it all now? Make the harvest happen now. Pull up the weeds. In other words, the Ro- in their view, the Romans are the weeds. Get the Romans out of here. Pull up the weeds. Let us rule. You know, why would you make this, why would you prolong this and make this happen? People say this stuff like this just, just these days, in the middle of a, a pandemic, you know, where maybe you say to yourself, well, I'm, I mean, I'm good. I, I, I place my trust in Christ and I, I'm confident and I have hope and all those things. But not everybody in the world does. Have you noticed that? The field is the world. Not everybody in the world has hope around this pandemic. A lot of people are asking a lot of questions. A lot of people are exhibiting a lot of fear. And even Christian people, church people, religious people are saying things like, why does this have to happen? Why doesn't he end it all now? Or even around the confusion related to, to politics in this moment, people on one side or the other, church people are saying, hey, why, do, why, why doesn't Jesus just come back? There's a guy uh, across the street From me, he's got a sign in his yard that says Jesus 2020. That's really what he's saying. Like, hey, why doesn't it all end just now? Why don't we pull up the weeds? Why don't we make it stop? I mean, if you're the the good sower, if you control the reapers, you can end it whenever you want. Why is it not ending? Make the harvest happen now. Why doesn't why doesn't it? Well, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter answers this question. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now here's the thing. You, you, uh, you live in this world where wheat and weeds are all grown together and they all kind of look the same. Sometimes it's hard to tell, but there's definitely a difference between wheat and weeds. You see, the scripture teaches that a person like me, every person that was ever born was born into sin. And because of that, we were born at war with God. We were like uh, subject to his wrath because of our, our sin. But Jesus, the sower that we're talking about here, Jesus has the ability, he's the only one that has the ability to take a weed like me and change my identity into wheat in the middle of, of all of this. He can take someone who's not bearing fruit, who's just full of sin, not bearing fruit, and in and, 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 and his work on the cross, his death, his resurrection, he appeases the wrath of God. He brings justice. He clothes me in righteousness. The, the, the scripture will use things words like being born again, given a new identity. In this parable, we will be changing from weed to weed. And another one would be changing from a goat to a sheep, right? It, he changes our identity when we trust him. And this is the good, the good news of all of this, but he's letting it linger. It seems slow. Why does he not just pull up the weeds now? Why do they have to stay all together? Well, it's because of his grace, because he is patient toward us not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's the heart of God. That's one reason why Jesus came. Here's the second question people are asking then, they're also asking it now. Why doesn't his kingdom appear more prominent and powerful? I mean, if, if, you know, if he is this Messiah ushering in the kingdom, why doesn't it appear more prominent and powerful? If we're living the heavenly reign of Jesus now, why is it not more obvious? You know, people were looking at Jesus then and they're like, yeah, you've done miracles and all that, but still Caesar rules from Rome. Pontius Pilate rules from the Temple Mount. Herod's playing his games. You got 12 guys following you around with an occasional crowd. If you're saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, why isn't it more prominent? Why isn't it more visible? Uh, Overtake Rome, do something. And Jesus told another parable to answer that question. He said this, um, Matthew chapter 13, 31 to 32. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Now in the, in the agriculture of Israel, the smallest seed they had access to in the first century is a mustard seed. It's tiny. And he says, it's like a a mustard seed planted in the garden, the smallest of all seeds. But when it grows, it's larger than all garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests. In its branches. So what Jesus is saying is like you look at it and you say it's not prominent. You're saying it's not visible, but it is full of potential. And this was what two thousand years ago he's telling this particular parable. Now we've had two thousand years of that mustard seed growing and expanding. He says it's going to become the greatest tree in the garden, the greatest kingdom of all the kingdoms in all the fields of the world, the greatest one. It cannot be. Uh, shaken. And maybe you think to yourself in this moment, like, okay, or maybe your friends do at work in your neighborhood, whatever. Okay, if if God is so good, if he's so powerful, why didn't he just end this thing? Why doesn't he end this pandemic? Show us how miraculously powerful he is. Give give uh, Give us something to believe, people say. Jesus says, it's gonna grow from very small to very big and very powerful. So we're looking for the wrong thing. We're looking, we're hoping, we're looking for like this genie in the bottle moment to say, hey, there's the kingdom of God. But I'd ask you to take a step back and I, I would ask you to look at how the kingdom of God is expanding in the world today. First of all, this is an anecdotal thing, but it, but it adds to the story. You know, this year we, we did not meet in person as a church from March to May. Then we met four weeks in June and we closed down all of July and then started again. We're meeting online, me, the camera, you out there somewhere. Do you know we've baptized more people this year than we did last year, meeting all together thus far? That's the kingdom of God expanding right? But that's anecdotal compared to what's happening in the world today. Do you understand? Do you know? You might think to yourself, well, America is, it's so, it's what's happening here. We don't know. Forget America for just a second. Think about the, the expanding church in Iran and China where persecution is taking place, but the church is expanding faster than you can imagine. The kingdom of God is expanding house to house, village to village, person to person by the hundreds of thousands millions possibly in ways that you can't imagine. Why is that? Well, if you study history, you'll find out that the, the, the center of the movement of Christ began in the East. Do you know where? It's like a trick question. Jerusalem. Jerusalem then Judea and Samaria, the outermost parts of the earth. And it moved all the way west. It was once in Europe, then it was once in the United States. Do you know the center of the, the the expanding kingdom has moved off of the United States now? It's moved east again. It's expanding more quickly in the east than it is in the west. And we think, what is God happening? Why Why is, it? I, I I tell you, you need to look for the God moments every day. As much as you're watching the news and as much as you are looking at social media, spend more time looking for the God moments. Every Tuesday at 8.30, I gather our team and I say, hey, what are the God moments this week? The way the kingdom of God has been expanding and where the king has been moving. And that it's unmistakably him. Like, you know, that's Jesus. And we tell stories, why, to encourage each other so that we, we can see, like, this is amazing what God is doing. I don't want you to miss it. Don't take your eyes off him because that mustard seed has been expanding and growing for 20 plus centuries right now. And it gets bigger and broader and stronger every day. And it's, it's, it's a kingdom that will never end in the world. It's expanding bigger and broader and stronger, but it's for here and it's for later. And we are to live in that reign of King Jesus now. People often say, you know, why isn't it more prominent? Why isn't it more obvious? Why isn't it more powerful? Name another movement as powerful as the kingdom of Jesus in the world. You cannot. Third thing, third question people ask, and we have to ask when we come to a parable like this it's this question Which am I, the weed or the wheat? The weed or the wheat? We have to ask the question because obviously in the kingdom of God, Jesus is delineating. There are two kinds of people in the world. There's wheat that bears fruit, sort of sown uh, by by, by Jesus himself, the son of man. They are sons of the kingdom. And there is weeds, sons of the enemy, sons of the evil one that bear no fruit. How do you tell, how do you know? How do you know if you're a wheat or a weed? How do you tell the difference? And it's a, it's a simple test. It's fruit. Fruit is the test. How would we know? We were looking at those pictures a minute ago. The, the tares, the weeds look about the same as the wheat. How do we know the difference? We know the wheat by its fruit. In another place, in John chapter 15, Jesus is using another agricultural picture. And he says, hey, uh, my father is the vine dresser. He owns the whole vineyard. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man or woman remains in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me though, he can do nothing. If he's disconnected, he should be pulled out of the vineyard, put in a pile to be burned. It's the same sort of picture. Those people that are connected to Jesus, that abide in Jesus, that are owned by Jesus, that are sons of the kingdom, they bear fruit. That's how you know. You realize anybody can say anything. But what they say and what happens with their life can be two different things. A lot of people can say a lot of things. But look for the fruit. And that's what we're learning here in this parable. And that's what we have to look at in our own life is the fruit. It's the fruit that helps us understand we belong to Jesus because we bear Jesus' fruit in our lives. Now, what... Let's talk about that. What is that? What does that look like? What, what would I be looking for? Just ask yourself some key, I'll call them diagnostic questions. No, Not any one of these questions uh, answers the questions, uh, am I saved? But they give indicators to uh, identify someone who is abiding in Christ, someone who is wheat, who bears fruit. So ask yourself this question, like, can I sin without being convicted? Can I sin unashamedly and just keep going, keep walking without being convicted? Like, like I'm kind of numb to the whole, I might know about God, I might know about Jesus, but I can sin and just keep walking. Uh, someone who is in Christ will be convicted of that sin. Uh, It's clear in the scripture, the Holy Spirit will convict of sin. And when we hear that, we return, we repent, we turn back to God and away from from our sin. But if you can just keep sinning and keep walking without conviction, without this need for repentance, uh, um, that that would be important to understand because you may be more weed than wheat. Ask yourself this question, do I? Uh, long to be in the presence of God, do I need to be with him? For instance, in bible study and in prayer and hearing from his word if if you go for a little bit of time and you haven 't been in the Word, you feel this like urge to get back in it. if you haven 't prayed, you feel this urge. To pray, that's the father calling his kids back to him so they can hear his voice. But if you can just keep walking, you don't need to pray. You don't need to uh, be in his word. It's not just a habit we're talking about. It's a relationship we're talking about. This is how we hear. This is how we dialogue with Jesus. And so if you can, if you can just keep walking and you don't need to pray, you don't need to hear from God's word, you might ask yourself the question, am I, am I wheat? Or am I a weed? Because people that abide in Christ, that bear much fruit, they hear from him and they walk the way that he walks. Maybe here's a third thing. Are there people in my life that are closer to Jesus because of my life? This would be an important question. Are there people in my life that are closer to Jesus because of my life, because of how I live my life? Not only the words I say, but the things that I do. Um, That's fruit. Jesus' people bear Jesus' fruit. Wheat bears wheat grain. Weeds bear nothing. Wheat, wheat grain, weeds, nothing. So you have to ask yourself this question. Augustine, the early church father, he, he applied this only to the church, but what we know is the field is the entire world. Everybody needs to ask this question. But in the context of your own life, you have to ask it, church. You know, am I wheat? Or weed. There's a guy a long time ago, an evangelist's name was Bailey Smith. Anybody ever hear Bailey Smith at any time in their life? Raise your hand. Just be loud, proud. I know you're an old Baptist guy or go. I did, right? You did. Did anybody else? So Bailey Smith, he preached this message. He was famous for preaching this message on the wheat and tares. And like, he would come to your church, he would preach this message and he would convince everybody that they were all weeds. The deacons, the pastors, everybody getting baptized again, right? Some of them needed to, the rest of them didn't probably. I don't know, but I'm not here to scare you, but I am here to say the wheat and the weeds, they all grow together in the world. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. The only way you can tell the difference is fruit. And the reality is, according to Jesus, the wheat and the weeds will be separated. Weeds to the fire to be burned. Wheat to sonship in the kingdom of God. You have to ask yourself the question. It's grace to get to sit here and ask yourself uh, that particular question. And Paul said this in Galatians chapter 3.26 people that belong to Jesus, this is, this, is, this is you. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. And so you become a son of God only through Jesus. That's clear in the, in the word of God. And you only come through Jesus by faith. And this is the kind of faith that your feet follow. Do you know what I mean by that? Like it's one, one thing to say, I have faith in Jesus, but not walk with him. It's another thing to say, I have faith in Jesus and walk with him and bear fruit. That's the, you can say I have faith in Jesus and your feet don't follow. And I would say to you, you don't have faith in Jesus. That's the difference between wheat and weeds, disciples and consumers, <laughs> In our culture, if Jesus was telling this parable, it'd probably be less wheat and weeds and more uh, disciple and consumeristic Christian. Two different kinds. If he was speaking to the church, disciple, one who follows him, hears and obeys, feet follow. Consumeristic Christian, growing up with the disciples, all that kind of stuff, but bears no fruit. How do you know if that's you? Um, Look at the fruit. Ask yourself those questions, right? I wanna close in prayer. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and, and we're gonna let, not let, but get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, to guide you. And I think this is an important moment. When you understand the kingdom of God is like that field, and that people are wheat and weeds. Ask first this question. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Ask Jesus to reveal to you. Am I wheat bearing fruit or am I a weed bearing no fruit but just growing up with wheat? Ask him that. It's quite possible that you heard this teaching of Jesus today and the Holy Spirit spoke to you in a number of ways through his word. But possibly you realize today, like I am, I'm more like a weed than I am wheat. And like I said, the good news is the grace of Jesus that says, hey, I can turn you from being a weed into being a a fruit bearing wheat. He gives you a new identity, but he says this, that you gotta follow him in faith, that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You're saved and you walk with him. You hear and obey all of your days. You're not perfect, but you walk in his grace and you follow in his footsteps. Here's what I'd like for you to do. We're gonna have two ways to respond this morning. The first is this. If as you prayed and heard the teaching, you realized... In this passage of scripture, I am like the weed bearing no fruit and I need to be changed. I need transformation. Uh, You at home, just raise your hand right where you are. You here in the room, just raise your hand right where we are. We're gonna pray over you. Don't, Don't worry, but just simply say, hey, this is where I'm at. Be honest. Don't let another church moment go by. But deal with Jesus here. If you raised your hand, you need to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I recognize there is no fruit in my life. I know the answers, maybe, but I don't have fruit. And so I I pray, Lord Jesus, would you invade my life? (laughs) Change me from the inside out. Forgive me of my sins. Be Lord of my life. Help me to walk with you and help me to bear fruit for your kingdom's sake. The scripture teaches us that when you pray a prayer like that, your identity changes. Jesus does that work to change your identity. He clothes you in righteousness. He makes you new. He makes you a son or daughter of the kingdom, a son or daughter of God. And you're saved with a whole new fate, a whole new eternal destiny as a a child of the King. And maybe that's you today. Maybe maybe you just simply need Jesus to change you. There's probably a whole nother group of people listening that think, you know, I know I am I'm wheat in that illustration. I, I know I'm saved and I, I can point to fruit in my life, but I sure would like the rest of my life. I'd like to bear more fruit. Maybe even in these days when 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 it seems difficult. Maybe your heartbeat is just bear more fruit for the kingdom's sake, for the glory of Christ and for the good of people. And that's you, you just wanna see more fruit born through your life for the good of other people, for the glory of Christ, would you raise your hand? Cause I, I wanna pray over you as well. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I wanna see more fruit. Father, I thank you uh, for my brothers and sisters who simply say bear fruit in my life for your kingdom. I wanna be a kingdom first person. Lord, I pray that you would now just take the thoughts of our mind, the meditation of our heart, the words of our mouth, the work of our hands, the direction of our feet as kingdom people, as sons of your kingdom and use all of that for your glory in this world, this big field we live in, all intertwined, looking a lot the same. Lord, use us for your glory, for the expansion of your kingdom, for your glory and for the good of people. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The kingdom of God is like that. It's like a field full of wheat and weeds and a sower who sows good seed and an enemy who sows bad seed. And the hope of the gospel is transformation and the expansion of the kingdom. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Let's sing together.